1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer.
0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers,
1: and I'm with Honky. Just like the Hawkeye Twitter account, Mac and Boomer are silent tonight.
0: That's great, Honk. Uh that this is all true. Uh the honky football account got muted there on Twitter. And uh we also are minus Mac and Boomer tonight. Uh they're busy out doing other stuff. But Honky and I wanted to talk uh some husker sports, right? We got a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, and we want to uh, touch on uh, kind of a Big Ten baseball tourney primer for those folks interested in, in Husker baseball. So uh, let's do a quick and fast show. Hopefully it's enjoyable. Honk, let's uh, start off with some football stuff, huh?
1: Yeah, I think uh, probably the big news that came out of the last day or two is Dedrick Mills making the grade, and so he's now going to be on campus is tomorrow. We're recording right now on Tuesday night, but he should be on campus with the team already starting tomorrow. So that's that's great news there. There's a lot of people that were concerned, and I think we've tried to say this over the, the course of the last few weeks is that it's not something worth getting all all riled up over. Just let these situations take their course. He's going to be here. Uh, the team, the freshmen, the incoming guys, they should be getting here next week, I believe, and then they're lifting earlier than pretty much any other year that we've ever been starting so, Frost isn't wasting any time. These guys are going to get a get a full summer of, of the War Daddy Up movement with Duval and, and uh, be ready to come uh, fall camp.
0: Yeah, it sounds like this will be the longest summer session they've ever had, right? I mean, they're really getting an extra almost two weeks of that uh, War Daddy <laughs> movement, uh, which is really interesting. I mean, it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of time. It's also great that these guys are on camp, especially the young guys, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to take some summer classes, get themselves acclimated to, uh, college life and all that type of stuff. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Riley would normally bring them in like the end of June. And by 4th J- of July, they were done. They use, it was about yeah. a three or four day summer lift there, but, uh, it was yeah. Different Fros- philosophy,
0: <laughs> different philosophy for certain.
1: Just, a, just a little different.
0: All right. Yeah. So it sounds like uh roster will be everything. Everybody will be in town very shortly. We now know uh, Mills is there. Now we're just kind of waiting on Maurice Washington in that situation, and that may still play out over the summer. Uh,
1: but hopefully, it turns out just as well. Another big uh, news Javon DeWitt, the uh, coach, he uh, posted on Twitter here that he's back on the road again this week, which is awesome to hear. You know, coming that. back, obviously, from from the cancer and the treatments and everything that he's been doing for the last few months. So that is just, we're very happy for him. Great stuff. Uh another thing is with preseason magazines. They started coming out here in the last week or so and you know what was it Street and Smith and Athlon had Athlon. Nebraska, both of them had us winning the West which has riled up kind of uh hilariously a little bit. Riled up some Wisconsin fans, even some Wisconsin journalist was on Twitter today just spouting off. He was kind of he was like Zach Smith at Ohio State just going off and
0: like, like if okay, it doesn't cool. bother you if it's not if it's not under your skin why are you freaking out so much right? I mean like I mean you know, like shouldn't you just be like be quiet and say you know prove it on the field but oh no you like totally um I mean what do you expect the guy I don't know who this guy was but he was like you know calling out Nebraska fans for being thin skinned and I'm like so you do something like that on Twitter what do you expect from Twitter for goodness sakes guys? I mean come on David anyway.
1: Hookstead yeah David Hookstead he says, Nebraska was once a proud football program. Now they're a joke in the Big Ten. Despite the fact some of you want to believe they can beat Wisconsin, there's a better chance I'm married to six model- models by tomorrow than the Cornhuskers beat the Badgers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I take those odds all day long at some point, whether it's this year or next
0: year, because that guy's not marrying six models, and we will beat Wisconsin at some point, and I think it might be this year. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yes. Are you, you sour know. much,
1: David Hook what, said? That doesn't sound like it. The funny thing
0: a... was, Honky, to your original point on that, is like it's not Nebraska fans calling this out. We have some apprehension about this season, right? Sure. But it's it's Athlon and Street and Smith that, that picks us To win the west and you know we were texting back and forth with our buddy iowa sean my neighbor and uh i mean the point of the big 10 west being just wide open here sure nebraska gets gets picked first in both of those magazines my sense is that a few others will come out and we're going to be farther down that list iowa was picked second in one of those i can't remember which one and sixth in the other so Mm -hmm. it feels like outside of illinois I think it's a random draw one through six practically. I don't know if Nebraska would fall down that far, but I could see us being third or fourth easily in a few magazines by the end of um, uh, this off season. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess in other news too, Martinez uh, got the invite to the uh, to the Manning camp uh, we talked about it last week. He hadn't had it yet. So he, I guess Archie gave a call to, to Frost and, and got everything approved there. So, I mean, not that not that we needed that validation, but Martinez is absolutely being viewed as a top five, ten quarterback right now in the country, and that's just heading into his second season. By the end of this year, I mean, if he has the kind of season that people are thinking, he, he is absolutely going to be, you know, New Maybe York that's quality. That's
0: why Street and Smith and Athlon picked us number one and not Wisconsin, right? Because they probably might be starting a true freshman
1: quarterback. Yeah, it's it's
0: crazy how that works out. Yeah, last year we weren't picked that. I mean, and we didn't perform that well, but our two freshmen lived up to that billing. If Graham Mertz produces like Martinez, then a Wisconsin's going to be more formidable foe um, when we come play him. So we'll see.
1: And I guess the last thing, uh, maybe on the football front, and this is a little bit of a social media a couple of things I wanted to bring up. The uh, the Husker social media account did a really cool thing with Husker Cave hashtag Husker Cave. So it's it's all about man caves and and send in some photos of your of your best husker man caves and uh it's been really kind of cool and fun to watch what people are are sending out there you know facebook twitter instagram some of these ones like i send in my basement here and this is okay i mean this is nothing crazy but it's it's 20 years of me adding stuff in there and then i'm just like in awe when i see some of these guys that have like bought like jerseys and helmets and like have complete uniforms i'm talking like 10 or 15 uniforms and they're behind glass cases and it's like you're walking around North Stadium. You yeah. know, I'm like holy smokes dudes, but that's cool. I mean, you know, every Husker fan's got their own kind of cool little things. I I I had to we have a say podcast that, honky. Yeah, we have, <laughs> think- well, you know, <laughs> yeah uh, in my photo, there was a microphone you know in the in the middle of it, right, but my coolest thing though, and I posted this on Twitter after I posted the basement photo, is I have a letter from lyle bremser k f a b Lyle Bremser sent to my grandma, and it says, you know Mrs. Honky, you know, thanks for writing and and you know thanks for enjoying the the broadcast and you people in Columbus should be proud of joe blaha and and bill Kush right. <laughs> you know, nice. it was from November of seventy, so it's like that's, that's great. Uh, I'll take that over any any other trinket I could get. But very cool. And uh, the other thing on social media, we are now being followed by Jaquez Green. And maybe for the younger followers that that don't know who that is, he was a wide receiver and a, a Hall of Famer for Florida. Played against us in the the Fiesta Bowl in 1995. Um, gosh, if I remember correctly, I think he's the one that got like his hip dislocated by I think Macavica tackled him on a punt or kicker return. Oh, really? Yeah, but but Green was a heck of a player. Well, anyways, he posted something about uh he was talking about the 95 team being the greatest of all time, Nebraska. Like he was so supportive of the Nebraska team. I think it was one of those uh Twitter, you know, Sure, he experienced
0: know, who, it firsthand, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think it was like who who would win? 2001 Miami or 95 Nebraska? Right. And and he sa- and he just defended the heck out of Nebraska. He just talked about how, you know, Amon Green, you know, wasn't even a starter and and how good he was and the O-lines and everybody on defense played in the pros. And uh, so I retweeted him and, you know, went back and forth with him. And all of a sudden, boom, we've got him following us, which was kind of cool. So, That's uh, awesome. yeah. And now, the basketball. All
0: right, let's 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 talk a little basketball, right? It feels like finally slowed down now. But we said that last week and less than 24 hours after we recorded that show, uh, we had – Another uh, busy day of Nebraska basketball recruiting where Fred Hoiberg uh, landed uh, additional recruits. Let's see if I remember. It was Derek Walker, which is a uh, sit-out transfer from Tennessee. So Tennessee, very good team this year. Honestly could have um, probably won the national title there so good. And I think Derek Walker didn't play that much, but uh, he was probably anticipated to contribute quite a bit next year. Uh, Chose to move on. And Horberg reeled him in. He's going to sit out, but he's 6'8", another big 6'8", 240-type guy mm-hmm. out of the KC area. So he's actually close to home and familiar with Nebraska. I think he actually visited uh, here back in 2015 or so. And then uh, even a bigger surprise later that afternoon, Samari Curtis, who is a kind of three- or four-star 6'4 um, four combo guard out of Ohio. He was uh, Mr. Basketball in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, committed and uh, he had various different commitments to Xavier and Cincinnati but um, with coaches leaving had had moved on and um, Hoiberg and company swoops in so uh, Honky uh, what this tells you though right is that that is actually 14 scholarships and they're at a limit of 13 so kind of the writing seems to be on the all about Isaiah
1: Roby wouldn't you say yeah I mean the only option would be if Roby came back which we don't think will happen but if Roby came back you'd start to look at Thor's position really as being if Roby wanted to come back they'd find a spot for him somehow but it's pretty limited on who they'd have to go after to to give him a yeah. spot and I think yeah. what we're looking at pretty much is I think we're looking at this as Roby's gonna go pro he's gonna get drafted and so He's probably on his way out. That's probably why they went with their 14. And yeah. and he, just the two guys you mentioned there, Curtis and Walker, it's kind of the perfect microcosm of what Hoiberg and staff can do in one offseason. We talked about it right when he got hired. We said what he did at Iowa State in that first offseason was bring in 10 guys right away, and six of them were transfers, four were high school. It wasn't like he was against bringing in high school guys. People think it's only transfers. He's bringing in both, right? And that's what he did here with Walker and Curtis. There was a good article that was in the World Herald on Hoiberg. And, Dave, you saw that one photo where uh, Devaney is holding Hoiberg's younger brother because Hoiberg's like the little kid standing off to, to Devaney's left. But it was a really good article with Hoiberg. With and then there was also well, – oh, what was the other thing that was – oh, there was a and a that was on the, the Athletic. And that was with Hoiberg, and he really laid out his – philosophy and his plan and he talked about how right now with high school kids you get so many right now but as you get better as you as we actually show things on the court in the next year or two you'll start to transition into more high school kids and not not having to rely on so many transfers although with the transfer portal the way it is I mean who knows I mean that's going to be a pretty consistent thing now
0: no absolutely that was a great article on, on the athletic you know just really good read on on Hoiberg and and where he's at and how he sees this playing out, so it's good stuff. To, the Omaha World Herald one, uh, if you haven't, the listeners have not seen that photograph of it's uh, the three Hoiberg boys, Fred's older brother and little little brother, and his little brother is being held by Bob Devaney. Oh, that's and so it's so cool. It's got a uh, Jerry Bush, um, like they're putting a plaque up in the and, and you call seeing probably late seventies or so. And so, I mean, that that actually really resonated with me in the sense of like, I mean, that the fact that Fred Hoiberg. Knows Bob Devaney, right? I mean, he like. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fred was old enough in that photograph that he would remember Bob Devaney. I mean, most Nebraska fans would just die for that experience. When you think about how deep the ties do actually run in the Hoybrook family with Nebraska, really gives you an indication of, of how strong those ties are. So it was really cool.
1: Yeah, that was, some, and that's some great journalism there by uh, by Omaha World Herald's Chris Hetty, and that's you know that's something that uh, it's it really does help tell the story of one of the reasons why Hoiberg is here, because he could have gone to a lot of places. That question was asked again on the athletic and uh, national, on a national stage. They're like, why Nebraska? And besides the fact that, you know, he, he explains why from, you know, just the tangible, Hey, the facilities and the, the support and all the things that we talked about a thousand times, right? Like it shouldn't be hard to sell why you would come here. But when he gets that question, why he also has that, that history, that background here, that the family, Past and it's it's that that photo was just brilliant
0: yep it's probably sitting someone in uh you know fred horberg's mom's like you know photo collection over the last 30 or 40 years and uh, finally just got dug out so yep pretty cool all right honk you ready to talk a little baseball
1: let's do it and now around the van horn
0: Last weekend, Nebraska did exactly what they needed to do and take two of three from, from Michigan, which puts them, I would say, pretty safely in the NCAA tournament at this point. Uh, they were really close to sweeping that game, and it got pretty interesting. They won, won the first two. Honky, you made it to—
1: I went to Friday, uh, the midday game, the, the game that right. was supposed to be played on Saturday that got moved up to right. Friday.
0: Huskers took that one in the seven seven zip. Is that right? Seven
1: zero. Yeah. Bats yeah. bats came alive in the sixth inning. I think it was we 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 hit five, and that yep. was all she wrote. Yep.
0: On Thursday night's game on BTN one five two, um, took it really. You know, Erstad uh, hasn't buttoned a, a lot this year. They had had some opportunities in that game. Uh, I think it was Alex Henwood who who missed an opportunity to really get a good bunt down earlier. Second time around. He does it again, forces Michigan to make a play. Pitcher overthrows third base, gets two in, and um, and that's all they, all they really needed. Um, not as good of a pitching performance on the second half of that doubleheader on Friday night. It was a very late game, so it was a pretty unusual play. That instance, uh, Nebraska was playing for uh, at least the two seed against Michigan, which uh, Michigan ultimately got. And if Indiana would have lost, they would have actually – had tied for first place. A lot on the line there, um, wasn't able to quite pull it off. But point is, a very productive weekend, which now has has put Nebraska in a good position in the tournament. D1 Baseball today has released their their projected bracket, Nebraska's a two-seed. So uh, in the course of about three or four weeks, we went from being a, a two-seed in the tournament to a three-seed to being on the wrong side of the bubble to – coming back up to a three and back to a two. So peaks and valleys, right?
1: Yeah. And being that two seed, that just gives us that much more room for error, I guess I'd say, in the next couple of days. If we don't you know, win out or, or win a couple of games here in the Big Ten tournament, I still think we're going to get in no matter what, even if it was a three seed somewhere. So uh, yeah. that is helpful. We're 28-20 and 20 right now. So worst-case scenario, if we lost our first two games in Omaha, we'd finish the season 28-22. We still think that that's good enough with uh, you know, victories on the road at Baylor, uh, at home against Michigan, against uh, Arizona State, Texas Tech victory, uh, a solid RPI, one victory at least over over Creighton, who is ranked now. All those things would lead us to think that, that at the very least would be a 3C. But that's, let's not limp in, is, is I think what we want to talk about, Dave, and this has been the big bugaboo against him, is that he hasn't had that postseason success, and this is not the time to be limping in here. Let's let's do well in front of big crowds.
0: Sure, absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean, this is a a really interesting Big Ten tournament. Uh, What Nebraska has going for it would be those big crowds and uh, a pretty scrappy team. I think Tom Chattel called them scrappy a couple days ago on the bottom line. I'm like, yeah, that's what that's what they are. To, to come back, and and their back was up against the wall. I think Erste I was able to get them to play a little looser finally and get those bats going. Uh, but I, there's eight teams in this Big Ten tournament. I'd, I'd say at least six of them feel like they could win the thing. You know, Iowa's been struggling. They lost their last five, but that's a, a team that thought they were in the tournament a couple weeks ago, and they went the other direction. When we went up, they went down. But that's a team that's won some good games uh, in the Big Ten and even non conference. Uh, they beat UC at, uh, Irvine in a, a, a series not that long ago. And so I was the eighth seed and thinks they can probably um, make some noise in this tournament. And then, you know, Ohio State and Maryland, a little bit more iffy, I suppose, uh, even though Maryland uh, is finishing pretty strong here. And Ohio State actually did beat Michigan once this year. So you never know. But then after that, you've got Nebraska at 5, Minnesota at 4. That's who we're playing on uh, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. You have Illinois at 3. Illinois is ranked, and they have the best RPI in the league. They are playing. They probably think if they could win this tournament, they could get a a regional host position there in a one seed. You've got Michigan at 2, who needs to win a little bit. I think they probably are more on the bubble than Nebraska. RPI is lower don't have as many quality wins. Hockey ran off Nebraska's kind of resume there. And if you listen to some of these national podcasts for for college baseball and and dives into the website quite a bit, it's a kind of a what you call a soft bubble this year. There's a a lot of teams that have some flaws on resumes, et cetera, and they're probably going to make it in because there's not a lot of other compelling cases, um, right? And so, you know, Michigan's got got some flaws on that resume, but they they'd probably need a, a win to feel really good. And then you've got an Indiana team that's kind of similar to Illinois, a little lower in the RPI, just won that regular season title, though. And if they could pair that regular season title with a conference championship, a tournament championship, they could also be a one seed. So there's
1: a lot of teams playing for a lot of stuff in Omaha. Should be fun. So we're looking at two teams that potentially could even be host of regionals out of this conference if the right things happen for either Illinois or Indiana.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't get both of them, but I think there's a chance one of them that's the same same thing goes for Creighton, for example. Creighton is probably trying to play for a potential one seed as well.
1: Yeah. if Nebraska, you know, won out, you know, and get and wins the tournament there's we have no chance at a at a one seed right i, I don't mean, think
0: so no i mean i think that'd be a huge stretch i don't think our rpi could get high enough and i don't think the resume i think if you just threw a couple extra wins on there somewhere yeah it could have happened but uh, i think that that story had has has left the the building but i i think they could move up in the two seed and improve their their positioning it's interesting with the regionals the top 16 teams obviously host in the top eight are pretty much guaranteed if they went out to to play at home the entire time The selection committee tries to do their best to put the rest of the seeds in locations that make sense from a geography for both travel um, you know distance and expenses as well as fan followings and so mm-hmm. they likely even though Nebraska could move up the the, the chart as a, a two seed, I don't know if that really changes a lot of our options. Um, I think, for example, doing baseball's projections, we were a three seed last week in Stillwater. Now we're a two seed in Stillwater, right? <laughs> so we're still going to Oklahoma State, right? And so um, the, the odds of us, you know, being sent to, you know, Miami or something as the two seed is is probably relatively low. Could happen because they're mm-hmm. eventually run out of teams to put places, but they're going to try to uh, put us as close as home as possible. So, so
1: let me throw a, a scenario out at you. Uh and, and Husker fans don't like to think this way, but should we be rooting for Creighton right now? Is there a possibility if we do well and it obviously Creighton does well and they, they win their tournament and let's say Creighton can find their way into being a host of a regional, could Nebraska find their, their way into Omaha as a two or three <laughs> seed, however however I don't care what our seed is. And heck, while we're at, while we're at it, UNO wins the summit league like they won the the regular season, and uh, UNO is the four seed. I
0: mean, is yeah, that what we well, could see? That, that would be fun, wouldn't it? That, That'd that would... be a well attended tournament, I believe. I think
1: so. <laughs> I think Omaha, <laughs> Omaha, with both of their their you know hometown teams and, and and the little school from Lincoln coming over there. I think that could be a fun uh, fun little couple days.
0: You know, yeah, uh, I think that's an extreme long shot. I think the tournament committee is. Not that cruel to Creighton if you award them a one seed and then you give them Nebraska and they're, <laughs> it's like not being the the host any longer, right? Um, you'd have a good amount of Creighton fans there no matter what, but you'd also have a huge amount of Nebraska fans suddenly. And uh, so I I doubt that would happen. Now the the Creighton UNO thing I've seen I think right now the projection uh, just going off of memory here, I think they had Creighton as maybe the two down in in Fayetteville with Arkansas and UNO's the four. And so they are actually in the same one there again, from that geography standpoint. Mm -hmm. So that that's possible uh, that those guys would, would be in the same bracket, but maybe not in Omaha. Would they do a Omaha as a four seed and Creighton as a one in, in TD Ameritrade? That's more reasonable than having Nebraska in that bracket, bracket, I suppose. So, there's a better odds of that one, but that's a, it's a fun thing to think about because we essentially would be getting a home regional um without actually earning it, but good question. Good question. Hulk. Yeah. It'd be wonderful. So, you know, I think that it's a fun weekend for college baseball fans. If uh, you know, you start to warm up here, most Nebraska college baseball fans are rooted in the world series. Right. Um, and then, you know, that fandom and that fan base really grew with, when Dave Van Horn took over Nebraska and we suddenly had hope um to do well and he had a lot of success to your point about Erstad. Van Horn had a lot of success in the postseason. Tom Shuttle uh World Herald article just came out talking about that. And um, you know, if Erstad could have some success this weekend or this following weekend, that would change some of the naysayers. Um, because it seems like, you know, Erstad has a good formula. I mentioned this in last week's podcast of, of making the tournament. Challenge yourself really hard in the non-conference, build up that strength of schedule and RPI, then finish in the top four or five of the, the Big Ten, and you likely make the tournament. But how does he construct a, a program that has a roster that actually can advance in that tournament is yet to be seen. And it hasn't won a lot of postseason games since we made a run in the Big Ten tournament. Back in, when was that? Probably 13 or so when we lost Indiana in front of 20,000. Mm-hmm. So this is a big weekend uh, to start going in the right direction, to your point. No reason to cool off now. Uh, try to beat Minnesota. Minnesota's an interesting squad. We lost to them, if you remember, Honk. I guess that was in March, up in um, Minneapolis. Two out of three. Yeah, a walk-off. Two walk-offs. Yeah. Yeah, the Friday was a uh, extra innings. Uh, I think a, a three-run home, sh- home run or something like that. If remember right? And then the um the walk-off on Sunday was like a wild pitch or something. And so uh two tough ways to lose a game, and we are right there. The the middle game, we won ten to one, and the the pitcher that we'll be going against uh tomorrow night, Fredrickson, very typical Minnesota name, mm-hmm. uh was a freshman All American pitcher last year. Minnesota was kind of picked to win the Big Ten this year because of their pitching staff, Max Meyer and and uh Frederickson. Um, both have had injury problems. I don't think Meyer will pitch at all this week. He's been out for a while. Fredrickson got bombed by Nebraska when we we played him. He's pitched better as of late, but I think that's the question. If Minnesota's uh, pitching stays
1: suspect and we get some runs on the board to support Waldron, we might be all right. I want to talk about how you know ending the season and having some momentum is important right now, and it's been it's been a struggle for for Erstad in the postseason the last few years. Well when you go back just two weeks ago and after that first loss against Arizona State that Friday night loss and we just got bombed and what was the score like 15 to two 15 or
0: six I want to say at the end
1: uh, was, we scored some really at the end yeah it's just just awful right and I think every Husker baseball fan just kind of hung their head and went oh no just not we this is not what we need right now this is the wrong timing and for that team to turn around and to, to win the next four games, you know, winning the series against Arizona State and then taking the first two against Michigan and it was a tough third game. I I'm not gonna lie to you. I fell asleep in that third game because it started at the uh, you know ten o'clock or whatever the heck it yeah, was, and yeah. by the time it actually got got going, so I fell asleep like in the sixth inning and woke up the next morning and found out we lost. But um, this was in, the Michigan
0: series. The
1: right? Michigan series, yeah. And tomorrow, tomorrow's gonna be a late one too. So. Because I'm sure there's no way any weather could ever affect any games in Omaha. That never happens. So I'm yeah. sure the, the game will, you know, first pitch will be right at 9 p.m. But
0: my understanding is it look, looks like weather might be okay tomorrow. Is that right? And then maybe a little shakier on, on Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. They have a little bit more room on, on the Friday schedule typically. So uh, if they could get through win, uh, Wednesday's games, um, okay. Keep in mind, you know, if you look at other conference attorney schedules, you're fitting a lot of games into one ballpark in a short amount of time. So everybody's got crazy um, schedules. The Big Ten is a little bit extreme. They do an, essentially four games in a 12-hour span from a start time, 9 a.m., 1 p.m., 5 p.m., and 9 p.m. So they're giving four-hour windows for each game mm-hmm. trying to keep that on schedule. You may see other tournaments where they might try to be, saying three or three-and-a-half hours between games, right? Mm-hmm. And so – uh, and that's that, and they just kind of live with everything getting bumped back if something goes to extra innings. Uh, I don't, I don't know the the pro or con of that scheduling, but the reality is, from a fan base standpoint, I remember Nebraska starting the tournament in past years at 9 a.m. and the tournament attendance being a little bit lower than what you'd want because you're starting at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it's late uh, tomorrow night. But it, it's it's better than 9 a.m. I'll tell you that, and they should be able to have a good crowd there, and we'll see if that has an impact on uh, the overall um, game and how Minnesota reacts to playing in front of you know 10 or you know 11,000 fans.
1: Yeah, I do do want to mention one thing too is a uh, big red business an article that the Husker Online has been putting out for for months now, but they just did a nice one the other day on the baseball tournament being in Omaha and the the financial the economic side of it with Nebraska showing up because as we all remember a year ago that did not happen and so and it's crazy even last year with absolutely no Nebraska playing in it i think they still had like 12,000 people show up for the entire tournament which still beat what was going on at target field up in minnesota so yep, that's right. but but obviously, Nebraska playing there is huge. Dave, you you were down with me and Boomer. We went to the uh, that Indiana, uh, Nebraska, twenty thousand people finale. Yep, I mean, right. the, that was just unreal. And so uh, it, it's it's awesome to have it in Omaha if Nebraska makes it there and and we get the crowd support. I mean, that that can be an unbelievable location that hopefully can help elevate. Big Ten baseball. Because I think, Dave, you made the, the, the really good point. You texted us and then I, I tweeted it out and we had some good response on it. You texted how you know Creighton is ranked right now and won the Big East and UNO wins the Summit and Nebraska looks pretty much like a surefire lock. So, I mean, we're talking about if, if UNO wins their, their postseason, Nebraska, the state of Nebraska could have, could have three teams in there in, in the NCAA tournament and not bad for a northern state uh, that has three conferences that don't, you know, emphasize baseball very much. I mean, that's really yeah. pretty impressive. And, um, you know, and and anything we can do, Nebraska specifically, to elevate the level of baseball in the Big Ten is a positive right now because the Big Ten, there's going to be three guaranteed and probably four teams coming out of this conference this year into the NCAA tournament. When we joined the Big Ten, we were a one or maybe two you know, team kind of yep, league. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, it is getting better. This is not this is not your your grandpa's Big Ten baseball. There are <laughs> there's better baseball. <laughs> it's not being John Anderson's played. Big Ten baseball, the Minnesota coach, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean this He's is your grandpa. This so. is better baseball being played. The facilities have improved across the board. And uh and to your point at the very beginning here, Dave, we have eight teams in here and for the most part, I'd say six or seven of them really think they have a legitimate shot.
0: Yeah, I'd probably throw Maryland in there too maybe Ohio State might be the only one who's just thinking. Oh, we're lucky we got here. Maryland mm-hmm. as a program thinks they should be, um, you know, kind of like Nebraska, you know, competing for the Big Ten every year. Uh, pretty young team, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll be back, I would guess. So you yep. know, to Indiana, I mean, there's a program they've gone through three head coaches now. Uh, Tracy Smith left to go to Arizona State. Uh, Chris uh, Lam. Lem- I forget how you pronounce his name. He left for Mississippi State uh, last year, and uh, now the, uh, their new guy, I'm going to fail his name right now, Walker, I want to say. Um, uh, uh, three coaches already that have, uh, I think all, all each one of them, probably won a Big Ten title. So uh, that's a program that's finding uh, some sustained success. Mm-hmm. and um, the Big Ten needs that. I mean, Nebraska, as many critics of uh, said that we have and the expectations that we have in this program, uh, he's probably going to get us to four tournaments in eight years and really could have had a fifth one if it wasn't for a, a, a technicality, essentially. He's just got to start producing in that postseason at some point. That's where it gets fun, right? You know, because mm-hmm. – uh, if we're projected to be in, in Stillwater against Oklahoma State or we could land in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, that could be a fun one. Or we go out to the West Coast potentially or down in Texas. Uh, let's let's make some noise, you know. And uh, that's where uh, the interest really would, would peak and that would probably help from a recruiting standpoint, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, and think about that in interest. I, I've heard rumblings from people that, you know, there just isn't quite the interest in baseball as, as we had ten years ago and fifteen years ago, obviously. But we're still getting forty five hundred people a game. And you just mentioned Indiana and all the success Indiana's had. And they're yep. doing quite well, honestly, from a fan based standpoint, showing up, they're probably getting what, fifteen hundred, two thousand games. And yeah, like just seventeen hundred, I think they might have, I mean, or something like and, that. And that's outstanding, quite honestly. It's yeah, like top... for the Big Ten.
0: Probably a top 40 uh, draw, essentially, in the country. Yeah. Uh, And number two in the Big Ten after Nebraska. Yeah.
1: I mean, a a, a clear drop from Nebraska. But then after Indiana, there's probably a pretty clear drop to number three. I watched on BTN that series a weekend ago, two weekends ago, when Michigan was hosting Indiana. I mean, huge series, huge games. And Michigan, they just had dozens of people there, maybe. (laughs) I mean, it was... And I know the weather was kind of cold and stuff, but who cares? That was just like, it was, it was so fitting to see that going on in Ann Arbor, and then here we are in Lincoln the next weekend hosting, hosting Michigan, and we've got sold out. Oh my gosh, we had thousands of people there for a Friday game at three o'clock in the afternoon. It was it was great yeah. to see.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's it is one of those things you'd like to see that start to expand, and uh, you know, starts with Indiana. Maybe you start to see Illinois or one of the other programs also start to see greater fan interest, but um, it happened at Nebraska and it happened else uh, elsewhere. They just, you know, we, we need to do our part as well. And that's um, raising the big tens competition level. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where this goes. All right, honk. That's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm glad we had a chance to chat baseball a little bit before the big 10 tournament. And hopefully that'll help a few of our listeners be uh, the most educated Husker baseball fan and in, in your, uh, <laughs> Your uh, peer group this weekend. Uh, anything else you want to add, Hunk?
1: Nope. Nope. I'm good.
0: All right, man. All right. Well, do you have a parting shot?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'll throw a couple out here. I, I want to give uh, some big credit to the uh, to the Redcasters out there that, that were sending pineapple to us after the last show. Uh, after about an hour-long show last week, uh, we said pineapple and tweet us that, and we've had, oh, my gosh, 10, 12 people text us pineapple or tweet us pineapple, which is Pretty cool. So uh, this week, uh, the word is kumquat. So send us kumquat, and that will, That would be great. Um, want to give a shout out to Husker History there with uh, the Omaha World Herald, and they've created a database, and it's basically it's it's like Husker Max, but I gotta admit it's pretty smooth and slick, and and you can go through the history of Nebraska football year by year, game by game. They have all kinds of stats, and it's really well done. So if you get a chance, go to Husker History. On uh, on Twitter, they sent a link out to that uh, today, and it's worth your time. And last but not least, there's a really good article, and it was in I think the World Herald Journal Star, a bunch of different spots. Former Oregon wide receiver Keenan Lowe, uh, who was the teacher at Parkrose High, he prevented a mass shooting basically last week by tackling the player or tackling the student that came in with a gun. He was interviewed, and he highlighted he was coached by Frost when he, when Frost was at, at Oregon and he highlighted how coach Frost gave advice at team meetings about just life. It was, it went beyond, you know, football and, and he he specifically talked about, you know, being prepared for moments when things like this would, could happen and how you act, you have to prepare yourself before the moment ever happens. And so the fact that he brought that up and that coach Frost you know, gave some kind of advice that, that helped lead him to be able to make decisions the way that he did and, and prevent that kind of tragedy. That's just unbelievable. And and when I was reading that article, it made me think a little bit of Coach Frost talking about Osborne at the coaches clinic, how Osborne would, would bring up life lessons during, right in the middle of some offensive, you know, position meeting, he would just bring up these life lessons just to get players thinking something different. And, and Frost was, did something like that 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 had this effect. I, I just it blew me away to read those articles. And if you get a chance, uh, Redcasters, go out there and and, and read them. It that well worth it.
0: Yeah, it was great stuff and uh, very cool that uh, you know Frost obviously had that type of impact on his life, and thus that um ha- has cascaded down to having him having a big impact on the students that he sees every day. So very yep. cool, great honk, great stuff. Looking forward to the baseball tournament. Hopefully we have a a show to talk about next week where we can uh, break down Nebraska's regional hopes and um, talk a little bit more baseball. So for now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast.
1: Beat Minnesota.